Miss Laurel, come on. We're going to do something before we move on. Why don't you stand one more time? We're going to lay hands on Miss Laurel. She's leaving to go to Africa Tuesday. And she's taking, yeah, she's taking a team of, this is be your largest team, right? Five of you together. You want to tell them a little bit? Just there's so much to say. He, I've never had such a team that he's. I wouldn't have picked them. That he, that he handpicked the team that's going. Jessica, that y'all know, she's going with me. We'll be gone for two weeks. We're going to Kenya, a place I've never been before. Y'all pray for us. <laughs> going to Kenya the first week. As a week from today, I will be preaching in a church in Nairobi, Kenya. So isn't that cool? And then after that, we're going back to Rwanda. And so, and, and so if y'all just be in agreement with us, I just found out just today, those meetings are kind of up in the air, which is Africa, it's normal, but just be in agreement that we will, the doors will open where God wants us to be, and that all things will come together. Why don't you stretch your hands forth towards her, and we'll just lay hands on her and pray, come on. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. For kingdom expansion, for the establishment, and, and the solidification of some kingdom principles in that area. Father, there's something that you're, you're, you have deposited into her and into them that when we get there in the spiritual, they're going to put a foundational pillar into that place that will never be removed. And for generations to come, if you, uh, uh, how do I say it? If you tarry your coming sooner than what we think, then they will talk about that specific season of time this year, 2018, that there was something that was deposited, that was solidified, that was established in the Spirit, in that place. And they'll trace it back to Miss Laurel and her team that you did something significant. Well, I, I hear that you already know that this is a season of launching. The Father says you already see yourself 29,000 miles up and being launched. And he says it's not by coincidence that your feet will land in a territory that you've never been before. The Lord is saying that he is going to use this experience for your testimony of knowing that even in the launch, even in going in a place you've never been, but there he will be when your feet land. And the Lord is saying, you know this is your season. You know this is what I'm saying. He says, you have sensed it in the spiritual, he said, but now a manifestation of it in the natural is about to take place. And he says, that is your door. When that plane door opens and your feet, he says, that is your door. Laura, when you first said you were going to Rwanda, I remember years ago seeing a movie about a genocide, and it occurred there where hundreds of thousands of people were killed, and they laid them out on the roads just to rot children, women. And when you said you were going, something quenched in my heart. I said, 
Laurel, small in stature, a female, Caucasian, not fitting anything in this country. But the Lord says that there is Davidic blessing over your life. He says, you fought bigger battles than this. He says, you fought the lion and the bear, and now you're looking at a giant. So I just cover you with grace, mercy, and protection, and we will pray for you and cover you daily. Nothing to worry about. Just step into this thing. It, it'll be one of the biggest, but one of the most rewarding battles, but he said there's a treasure when you get there that he is going to open up, and he's going to show you the revelation of things that you have been asking for seasons. He will show you these things. You will touch the hem of the garment of God because you have agreed, and you said, I will go. He says, I've asked others, and they wouldn't go, but he says, you said, this is what I want to do, and you didn't look back. And not only are you going in yourself, but you're carrying some righteous women who are powerful prayer warriors. I haven't even met them, but he says, they will have your back. But you're also carrying one of our daughters with you also. And she's going to fulfill her destiny by seeing what you do there. It is always multi-generational when he does things. You are a seed that he is now planting, and it is coming to fruition. Remember, first we get the germination, we get the stalk, and then the full ear. He is providing the very things that you have been teaching. He's doing in you right now. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, wait, wait, wait. Before you see it, stand up one more time. Just one more time. We are so excited. If this is your first time with us as One Love City Church, we don't want to embarrass you, but we do want you, want you to make you feel welcome because you're our guest. Would you slip your hand up? We want to hug on you, love on you. Hi, there you go. Hi, thank you so much. We have a gift for you. Do we have a gift for them? They got it all. You beat me to the punch. Ah, see, I was going to say, oh, we have a gift for you, but you got it already. Thank you, guys. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody around you, shake their hands, hug their neck. Thank you, Lord. And you 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, whatever they're praying for, we call it forth. In Jesus' name, on Father's Day. A touch of the fathers. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One more time. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. This has been our text we started with last week. Why don't you stand with me one more time? We're going to read the word together. If we can stand for the flag, I feel like we can stand for the word. We can stand for the national anthem and put our hand over our heart. We can salute the flag, then we can stand for the word. Get your Bibles. You got your Bibles or your iPhone or your, heaven forbid, if y'all got something other than an iPhone, we'll pray for you. I don't mean that bad. But we will pray for you. You got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start. We're going to start in verse 22. Now let me set the stage. I'm not going to go all back over it, but John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, Jesus' blood, not only his blood, but his brother, the one that he said was the greatest prophet of all the Old Testament prophets, the one that said, I'm the voice that cries in the wilderness for the coming of the Son of Man. That, that is this John the Baptist, protected, feared, revered by the people, Herod so scared he would not kill him, so he imprisoned him. And you know the story. He's sleeping with his brother's wife. And his brother's wife's daughter dances before him. He says, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it anything, I swear. And she said, I want John the Baptist's head. So he swore an oath. Beheaded John the Baptist. In verse 13 it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. We know the rest of the story. The people came. He had compassion. He healed them. He touched them. He talked to them. They needed food. He multiplied it. Now go to verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walked on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And he cried out, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open this up and talk about your heart, your love, on this Father's Day, Lord, I yield myself I've prepared, I've gotten ready, but Father, I yield. I recognize that in the moment, the Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I've prepared as if it all depends on me, and now I'm just going to preach as if it all depends on you. Speak through my mind. Give me the analogies, the words to say. We all set ourselves in agreement. We desire to get 
everything that you have for us this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's funny to me that, not funny, but it is, that the one that was sent, that was commissioned, that was called to minister to the people, the one that was called and anointed by God, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, that's the one, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's not shaken, the one who's not stirred, the one who's not moved, the one who's not, who doesn't look at what he sees, the one who's not moved by his emotions, who's not moved by his feelings, who's not moved by the things that he observes in the natural. But yet the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like we are. How many of you know there are things that happen in your life that will rock you, that will shake you? I don't mean your tire goes flat. <clears throat> I don't mean that your wash machine breaks. I mean that your tire goes flat, your wash machine breaks, and your refrigerator breaks. They call the note due. You lose your job, your wife's sick, and your kids are in the hospital. That kind of stuff. Someone close to you dies. Things didn't pan out quite the way you thought they were going to pan out. You get diagnosed with something. You get rebuked for something. You get laid off from something. You get fired for something. I don't know what it is, but to me, I, I smile. Because here we have a picture of Jesus going through the same things that we've gone through. Jesus upon hearing about John the Baptist, what does the Bible say he does in verse 13 immediately? It said, when he departed there by boat to a deserted place by himself. There's three things that I see in this passage where Jesus goes away. Number one, we talked about last Sunday, was the re-encounter. Jesus knew that if he was going to move beyond his present circumstances, and I'm not trying to attribute what I would feel or what you would feel to Jesus Christ. But what I am saying is that he was tempted and tested in all points like us. This is a big hit for him. Maybe in part not just because it was his cousin, not just in part because it was one of his best friends, not in part because it was the disciple that the Lord loved. He was closer to Jesus than anybody else closer and yet Jesus was rocked in such a way where he departed and went to a deserted place by himself to be alone with God the re-encounter this last week we talked and I'm not going to go back over everything but there's some things that your wife can't do for you there's some things that your husband did. There's some things that your mama and your daddy can't do. There's only, no one can do me like Jesus. I know that sounds catchy, and, but I'm telling you, you know, even standing here this moment and, and I'm lifting my hands and I'm worshiping. And I'm saying, Lord, all of my worship belongs to you. I, there's some things that you just can't do apart from him. Jesus knew that. So the re-encounter. And I gave you four indications that you needed a re-encounter with God. I'm not going to go back over those. But what's the second thing? Because I left you hanging. 
What's the second thing? The first one was the re-encounter. The second one is the realignment. What I like to call the recalibration. Jesus goes up to the mountain, and it says in <clears throat> it says in verse 24, it says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, I don't know exactly the moment that Jesus recognized that was going on with the disciples, but he recognized it because he had to have to come down from the mountain to come to them on the water. There's something about the encounter with God. You remember last week I said, go to God, re-encounter God, don't bring your prayer request. You remember that? Don't bring your to-do list, don't bring anything, just soak, just be with God. How many of you did that this week? I've got three of you. I did it. Just getting alone with him. What's funny to me is he says immediately, listen to me, you don't have time to waste. I can't say this, I can say it for me, but now I declare to you, you don't have time to waste. Immediately. When things happen in your life that rock you, immediately. Shut the phone off, shut the computer off, do whatever you need to do and get alone with Jesus. Where we meet Jesus a lot of times or where she meets Jesus a lot of times is in the jacuzzi tub. Things happen, she'll go, look, Mama's going to the tub, and she will shut the door, and I tell the girls, don't, you, don't go in there. Not unless you want to get slain in the spirit. A long time for me is when I go, I'll go to my office, I'll go to the office, or I'll go get in my truck, and I'll go ride, or I'll go somewhere. Daddy be back in a minute. Don't come in here. Because I know, I recognize and realize that for me, I've got to get, you don't have time to play around with the stuff that's trying to destroy you. Because that's all it is. In this life, I love it when preachers say this or pastors, in this life you'll suffer persecution. But y'all leave out the last part that Jesus said, but fear not, for I've overcome it. How are you going to overcome if he's overcome? If he's in you and you in him, how are you going to overcome? You better get away with Jesus to the mountain. You and I better get to the mountain immediately. And then it says he sent the multitudes away. (laughs) Listen to me. There are times where you can't be concerned. Come on, Mama Cleveland. You can't, you know as well as I do, you can't be concerned with everybody when stuff's going on in your life sometimes. There's times where you just got to say, look, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but you got to go. Well, I need you. You got to pray for me. No, I got to pray for myself. I got to get along with Jesus. And that's harsh sometimes, it seems, but it's not because Jesus, Jesus sent them away. Could you imagine Jesus sending people away? Because they already knew who he was, but Jesus sent people away. Sometimes, turn to your neighbor and say, you got to send them away. This is, listen guys, this is no joke. These are not, we're not playing games. This is real. We have an adversary, and he seeks to do nothing but to destroy your life. People say to me, well, you know, the devil's after you. He's just after you. He's trying to kill your anointing. He's trying to kill your anointing. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy you. High school, he's trying to destroy her. 
He's trying. You don't think he's after you? Come on. You don't think he's after you, Giovanni? He's after you. Why? Because he sees something that he will never have, and it's called Jesus. We don't have time. We don't. You got to send him away. Say, send him away. Hebrews chapter 4, I want you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, I want you to read this because I want you to understand what do I mean when I say realignment? Any of you have a, a car that's been out of alignment? Oh, I got a good one on that one. Any of you had an instrument that you work with instruments or something that's, that needs to be recalibrated? In other words, it's off. You got a tire pressure monitor or or something that you're using, a weight scale. Come on, all the women in the room, don't tell me. Your weight scale don't need to be recalibrated. I got on that thing the other day, and it said I weighed 210. Then it said I weighed 214. And then it said I weighed 208. I went with the 208. <laughs> yes, 208. Why? Because it needs to be recalibrated. She was like, honey, that's on the wrong spot of the floor. You're going to have to move it. I said, I ain't moving nothing. I'm holding fast to that 208. Glory, I done lost weight. Got on the next morning and said 211.8. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get thee behind me, fat. Recalibrate, lay hands on that thing. But you ever had a car that's out of realignment? You know what I'm talking about? That's the hardest car to drive. You don't even enjoy it. You driving and you got to scratch your nose and you over in the ditch before you know it. Or worse, you scratch your nose and now you heading for a semi. You got to jerk the thing back over. Something about when we get before God and we have this encounter, this re-encounter, and it like, oh man, I just love spending time with God. And He loves on you and He kisses you and He, he, he works on you and He just loves on you and His mercies and His grace and His spirit and His presence. And you're just like, man, this is great. And then you get to a point where He goes, okay, let me adjust, realign some things. You've been focused on this and it's got you leaning towards this direction come on you am i the only one that's been in that place hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 let us therefore be diligent to enter that what i thought you was talking about the realignment i'm getting there lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience so to me there's a key between rest and disobedience are you following me? Rest and disobedience. The worst thing you want to do is make a decision when you feel like you've got to make a decision right now. You better not make no decision. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, Mr. Cleveland. You, the, you leave this car lot and you're not getting this deal. It's gone the minute you leave. I mean, they called us and told us that it's gone. They, we Somehow we worked a miracle to get you this $2,000 rebate. Listen, it's Father's Day weekend. Don't you leave, Lowe's. This sale goes away tomorrow. you got to decide now. Today only. You know what I'm talking about. There's a key. Ready? Verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
if Jesus became, if the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, then that means every time we pick this up and every time we spend time reading it, studying it, eating it, absorbing it, digesting it, we're spending time with the one who wrote it. The, the words on this page are not life. This Bible in and of itself is not life. It, I don't worship this leather and, I guess, whatever, parchment paper, whatever kind of paper that is. No, you worship what is in the heart and what is on it, the one who wrote it. But there's something about it that does something to your spirit. I'll tell you why people don't read the Bible. Two reasons that I've seen. Two reasons. Number one, they don't think it's relevant. Or number two, it's a little too relevant. That's the only two reasons I see. Either they don't know or they know and they just uh, they don't want to. Because I know if I pick that thing up, it's going to read my mail. But listen to me. There's a heart behind this where he says, you want to because when you read it, when you spend time with him, he comes in and he adjusts the intents of your heart. He doesn't condemn you when he does it. I said he doesn't condemn you when he does it. He comes to you and he says, darling, son, this thing right here, you got you to gotta get that out of the way so we can realign you. And condemnation comes and tells you that you're bad and you should feel bad and you're a terrible dad and you're a terrible father for even looking at that thing. But, the, but, but that has been covered by the blood of Jesus. He's trying to get this out of the way so you and I can get back into alignment. Easiest car in the world to drive is one that's in alignment. I got some other stuff I'll tell you in a minute. You put your hand up on that wheel and you could drive it with your eyebrow if it's not. You can drive it with your pinky if it's in alignment. My first car was a 66 Ford Mustang. Didn't have power steering. One time the alignment was out and one of the tie rod ends on the front end was gone. So every time I hit a darn hill or a bump, the whole car would just jerk. That thing would twist your arm off. When you're riding down the road of life in your little faith mobile, come on, whatever car you want. Have y'all seen the supercars now? Have y'all seen them, these supercars? Like there's cars out there now that I don't even know the name of them and they'll go zero to 60 in like half a second. So you're driving down the road, whatever vehicle you're in. If you don't keep that, if that thing's not aligned, you're going to wrestle with your faith. Come on. You're going to wrestle with your faith all the live long day. But when you get before God and you re-encounter Him, and you let Him come, and He begins to open the hood, and He begins to look underneath it, and He begins to straighten that thing out, He begins to align it. The place is what I wrote down. I like it because I, I wrote it down. The place of rest is where the Word of God does its greatest work. It helps expose your heart so you can realign it and recalibrate it. It's not a bad thing. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not a bad thing for the Word to expose your heart. Your heart can be 
tainted. Your heart can be influenced. Your mind, your emotions, your, the sensitivity that you have towards the Holy Spirit can be wounded, can be exposed, can be hindered. You don't think it can be hindered? You try staying up, going through all that you're going through, and don't get no rest. And tell me how you hear from the Holy Ghost. No, because your body, your mind, your will, your emotions, and even your spirit is now warring against it. Paul said, I war. There's a battle going on on the inside. How do you solve it? You don't solve it by going faster. You don't solve it by turning your hands. Well, I just turn my, Jesus, take the wheel. No, you can't do that. Not with no alignment. You'll be taking that wheel on to the ditch. No, you got to get realigned. This is, where, this is where you should live. You remember a couple of, I guess it's been about a month and a half ago, I took that chair and I sat it down there and I said, you sit right here and don't you move. You sit right here with Jesus. That's where you need to be. You don't live there, but you go there. Mark chapter 5, Jairus comes to Jesus. And it says that, in managing Jesus, it had become difficult because he was a Pharisee. Listen to me. I go to church. I've been in church for 30 years. He was too. Jesus comes on the scene and they can't manage Jesus. Not only was he loose with the Old Testament law, but he was hanging around people with questionable conduct. It's funny how when the you-know-what hits the fan, you'll throw all that out the window because all you want is Jesus. Jairus had entered into these relationships and been in the synagogue and been a Pharisee and done all that, but you let his daughter, and her body is getting cold. He goes, you fools can do what you want to. I know the man who said he could heal her. When you get along with Jesus... You'll throw everything out the window that don't matter, and you will recalibrate your heart, and you will go, Jesus, my daughter. We know the story. He went to Jesus, and Jesus didn't look at him and said, No, you didn't want nothing to do with me. You was all up in the synagogue talking about me. You've been trying to destroy me. And every time I say something, Jesus said, it. He didn't say that. He said, Come on, let's go. Why? Because that's the Father's love. He doesn't hold anything against you. If he was going to hold anything against you, he would have already held it. I should have got a better witness on that one. Boom. Mic drop. I'm kidding. Don't want to buy another mic. When the storms of life come, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The mountain is where the re-encounter takes place. And that's when he really calibrates and readjusts and realigns our heart. Not externally, but internally. Because everything external is a reflection of something happening on the inside. Just like this morning. Sister Carol, me, a few others. Come up to the front and we worship him. I, listen, don't feel bad if you didn't come up here to worship. I don't do that all the time. I'm all jumping like Jesus. Why? Because there's something in my heart that's got to be released. Why? So my actions were not a reflection of my mind. They were a reflection of something happening on the inside of me. 
Why? Because I've been re-encountered with God. I've been allowing God to realign me and recalibrate me. I, I mean, I told her yesterday we were talking, and I said, it's like we're walking. At first, I said, it's like I'm walking, and I'm going, all right, Lord. Um, I mean, I'm feeling we're supposed to go this way, and we start going, and I'm saying, you all right? And I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. That's wrong. Jesus ain't over there. So I'm going this way, and I'm going, you, are, you good? Y'all get, see what I'm saying? Y'all good? All right, we're going this way. You good? He's like, yeah, we got okay, You sure? We're going this way. I'm holding up, Lord. If you don't want us to go, if you don't want, if you don't want. See, that's the place where the recalibration and the realignment takes place. In 2015, James, Jameis Winston was the first overall pick in the NFL draft for that year. 2015. He was a tremendous player. It says here that he was the only quarterback since 1964 to win his first 26 starts as a college player. 1964, that's pretty impressive. Just a few days earlier, he had been spending time with Roger Goodell. You know who that is? The commissioner of the NFL. He saw a Super Bowl trophy on his desk. He walked over there and said, I want me one of those. And Woodall pointed to the Walter Payton Humanitarian Award, and he said, I'd rather you get one of them. See, this, that was an invitation for this young man to realign and recalibrate his heart to something that really matters, to something that really should be attained to. Nothing wrong with a Super Bowl trophy. We all like the Super Bowl. I do. I really liked it when Justin Timberlake was throwing it down with Prince live. That was great. I can't believe you said that. I, I said it. I liked it. I loved the way they played. I thought, I mean, I thought for sure they were going to pull it off. And they throw the party, and everybody's like, woohoo! And guess what happened when he got that trophy and the confetti falls down? You know what happened? I turned the lights off. We went to sleep because it's over. And the next day, they start recruiting. They start looking. That's short-lived. You really want to spend your life trying to attain to something that matters the least or something that matters the most. That's where the alignment comes into play. I want my life, listen, I do. I want my life to count for something. I want her life and her life and your life to count for something. I want us to go and stand before Jesus and him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little. That realignment takes place. The word recalibrate means to make small or large changes to an instrument so that it measures accurately. It means to change the way you think about something. He's trying to get us to change the way we think about certain things. I grew up in a family where, how do I say this? Where you think along a certain line. You think this way and this way and this way, and you do that year after year. Tradition. If you're going to buy something, you've got to borrow the money. Come on. you got to. And if you make this much money, that's good money. If you don't make that much money, that's not good money. You're just always going to be working. Maybe you get two jobs, and you try to do it, and you just try to get ahead. You're just trying to get ahead. You're just trying to get ahead. You think that. You're just trying to get ahead. Trying to get ahead. 
One of the first things we did with our girls when they started, Daddy, Daddy, can we do this? Or Mama, can we do this? Can we buy this? And we, we, we said, well, no, baby, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. And the Holy Spirit says, who said? Stop saying that. I remember that was the first. We said, baby, listen, Mama and Daddy could get that. We could. We could buy that. But we're choosing to take our resources and and believe God for something else. We're, we're putting them, we're managing our resources. And I thought that way. And I remember when that cycle was broke, and I was like, it's like somebody pulled the chair out of this pattern of thinking, and you walk over here and you go, oh my gosh, look at all these other, th- look at all this other thing. People say, well, you know, it's hard to make a living. People who think like that, if you think like that, you need to rebuke that thought every day. It should not be hard. When you and I are spending time with him and we're allowing him to realign us, he will take those things and he will move them out of the way and he will adjust us on our vehicle to get us to where we need to be. Fathers, the way that you keep your longevity in life and the way that you keep your family in alignment I heard Jensen Franklin say this morning, you, you demonstrate it to them. You take them to the places and to church, and you, you immerse them in the place and the culture that you know you need to immerse them. Why? Because it, that you train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end he will not depart from it. You can run away from a lot of stuff, but you can't run away from the things that were deposited in you. You say what you want to say do what you want to do, but these these children are affected by what they see you do and hear you say and watch how you walk. Fathers, it's very important. I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to encourage you. You should walk up into your house today and be like, yeah, this is the house of the Lord. We about to drop it like it's hot. Boom. You should have that attitude. If you don't have that attitude, then you should rebuke him, resist him, and get him off of you. You should walk up into your house and say, no. I don't care what your wife says. I don't care what your children say. I don't care what your parents say. You say, nope, not today. Well, how do you know that that's going to work? You've been doing it the other way. It ain't working. Nope. Be prepared because all hell will break loose. And then you stand up there and you cry. And you're nice, you're all tired. And no! No! I mean, you know, as a man, it's like we feel bad for getting emotional. I don't know, I do. I feel bad for getting emotional, especially when, like, it's something that hurts or it's painful or you don't like it. She was pulling some, yeah, yeah. She was pulling some hair out of my ear in the truck yesterday and i was like ow woman because i got this little thing you just shave it i ain't trying to pull all that out it hurts she was like would you hush you baby i birthed three children i was like that's right you did i didn't this hurts why don't you just rip my ear off my point is i lost my point because jesus don't like ugly It wasn't ugly towards you, it was ugly towards me. 
My point is, in your pain, you feel bad. You should not feel bad, but you should get mad. And you wipe your tears. No, not today. You walk away, and you go do what you got to do, and the enemy comes, and they screaming, and your emotions, and you walk right back to that spot, and you say, nope. And you walk away, and you do it again, and you say, and you do, and you're listening, and you're doing whatever, and you're spending time with Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, no weapon formed against me, and the phone rings, and they say, bam, and you go, nope. Come on, fathers, I ain't preaching to nobody else but to you. You walk up in the house and you say no, and you love on her, and she fights with you, and she argues with you, and she don't like you no more because you did whatever and you're mad. You walk over to that place, and you go, nope. Don't you say no to her. You say no because it's not her. It's not her. It's not him. We fight against what? Principalities. Nobody is going to rebuke the devil as effectively as you will in your own house. Now that's good. I'm going to write that down for myself. Can't nobody... Kick the devil out of your house faster than you can because it's your thought. Can't nobody preach or do as effectively in this place right here, right now, today, in this season. Why? Because I am the pastor. So I recognize, right or wrong, good or bad, successful or not, I recognize my authority, and I'm telling you, no. Ooh, that sounds cocky. no. It's called confidence. At some point, you've got to stand up and go, this is my house. No. I dare you to cross that line. Do it. You should. Come on, guys. Go back to your high school days where you walk up to your friend. You know what I'm talking about. That's how you, that's the tenacity. The, 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 the kingdom of God suffers violence and the what? The violence sits and fasts and prays. No, you take it. You walk over there and go, you are not my children. I refuse to let them have that same mentality. And so I pave the way for them to be in luscious green pastures. Let me close with this. Four things. Four things that will help you stay in alignment. You ready? Number one, go back to the mountain often. Write it down. Go back to the mountain often. Every time I get this woman's car, our car, her Denali, every time I have gotten an oil change, guess what? I get the tires balanced and rotated. That's how come we are almost, in October, we will be four years on these tires. Four. And I know there's 100,000 miles on them. My daddy goes, son, y'all, you can ride some tires. And I go, because if you balance them and rotate them, Every time, and keep it in alignment, they'll last forever. Not really forever, but you know what I'm saying. I don't even like to buy tires because they're so darn expensive. Yes, I'm going to align them and balance and rotate them every time. If I, had, if I was independently wealthy, and I am in Jesus' name, I would have my own service. Would, I would buy a service department. And I would say, come pick my wife's car up once a month and align it and balance and rotate the tires every month. Why? Because it will ride forever. 
Number two, guard your heart. See, okay, first of all, when you align your tire, when you align, when you stay in alignment, when you stay recalibrated, why should you go there often? Because so when you hit the brakes, you won't pull to one side or the other. And you'll stay out of the ditch. Number two, there's no, so there's no extra wear and tear on your vehicle, on your faith vehicle. When you're driving down, you've got enough to fight with. You don't need to be fighting with your car. You don't need to be fighting eternally with your faith. Your faith should be flowing. Yes, I'm believing God for this. Or you walking, riding down the road, and the Holy Spirit goes, turn left right here. You turn left. You don't want to be fighting your vehicle because it's not in alignment. And you blah, 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 because you hadn't got the tires rotated and balanced and everything. Come on, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to be funny because I want you to hear this. I want you to see this when you leave. And number three, you don't want to have to struggle to stay in the middle of the road. You, don't, you, you should be able to steer that thing with your knee. They're passing a the law now, right? They're passing a the law for this. Or they have already passed it, or they're passing it for this, right? They already passed it. When are they going to pass a law for this? I did go there. They wouldn't dare do that, right? Because they know they got wives at home. My point is, how come she can do that? How come you can do that? How come you can do that? Because your car's in alignment. If it ain't, you ain't trying to put makeup on. You know, because if you look up and look down, you're going to be in a ditch somewhere. Go to the mountain often. Number two, guard your heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, you ready? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Three things I want you to remember about guarding your heart. You ready? Number one, don't give your heart away too quick. I'm going to say that again. Don't give your heart away too quick. Love should be given blindly. But trust has to be earned and developed. Well, I don't know about that. You're going to have to, I wrote down, you're going to have to show me that I can trust you. Listen, why? Because Jesus recognized you don't cast your pearls before those. It doesn't calling you swine. It's calling, it's calling you don't know. I'm not going to give somebody my car to borrow when I look at your car. I won't say who, but somebody on another planet in another universe asked to borrow my truck not too long or long ago. You will not never know. But I said, uh, no. Why? Uh, have you seen yours? No. Now, my daddy, I just gave it away who was. <laughs> no, nah, he does better. My daddy, on the other hand, shoot, yeah, you can borrow my truck. And sometimes it's hindered for me. Don't you take this out of this room. Sometimes it's hindered for me to borrow his truck because he thinks that I'm going to do the same thing with his truck that some other people have done to his truck in the past or their truck, and that's not the case. You better guard your heart. Don't you give it away too quick. 
Single folk, don't you give your heart away. Women, see, I have a house full of women. You, listen, my name is no, my sign is no, and my number is no. You better let it go. People in here going, what's he talking about? No. You better guard your heart. Number two, don't give your heart away to too many. Not everyone is qualified to handle your heart. Not everyone is qualified to handle your heart. You give them your love. You give them your respect. You watch over them. You guard them. You protect them. But that doesn't mean you have to give your heart away. You know what I'm saying when I say give your heart away. And everything that goes with it. And number three, when you do give it away, make it count and make it work. Make it count and make it work. What do I mean by make it count? Give it away with the understanding that it's vulnerable and valuable. They should feel the weight of you giving your heart to them to such a degree that they value it or else you're giving it away for too cheap. Listen, if you, if I give you my trust, if I give you my heart, you know that it's valuable. You know. And I know that your heart is valuable. Why? Because I ain't just going to give, no, I ain't just going to call anybody. Why? You know it's valuable. Why? Because you know I don't give it away to everybody. I love everybody. I love people. I do. But I don't give my heart away. What do I mean? I don't mean, you know, but Jesus had his disciples. In other words, you walk in a long life, you look behind to see who's with you. And you give that. A, Jesus didn't just go. He would send the people away. He would say, let him who has ears listen. And he would walk away and he would go. And then he'd turn around and he'd see who was there. And he'd now sit down. And they'd go, what was you talking about? A farmer goes out and says, he says, y'all not listening. And he would give his heart, and he would explain it a little bit. John the Baptist was the one that laid his head on his bosom. Make it work. Last but not least, make it work. When you give your heart away, make it count and make it work. What do I mean? Teach people how to handle your heart. Don't just let people treat you anyway. I'm not talking about what they do in life. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to... Jesus said in His pain, in His blood, in His flesh, Pontius said, I have the power. And he goes, no, you don't. Let me teach you how to handle my Father's heart. You don't have nothing but what my Father has ordained for you to have. Don't no one, listen to me, don't no one take my life. I lay it down freely. What's he doing? He's teaching them how to handle his heart. Number three, the three things, the four things that will help you stay in alignment. Number three, stay away from potholes and rough roads. Come on, all the mechanics in the house said, amen. You see a pothole? Swerve. You don't need to take your Acura four-wheeling. 
<laughs> I had a friend of mine when we was in college, and I'm going to close with that. I had a friend of mine when I was in college. We had a Honda, he had a Honda CRX, that little bitty car. We would take that thing through the mud. We'd take it through everywhere. That was the most jacked-up car. Don't you take your car over. Stay away from the potholes and the rough places. And if you are in a rough place, remember Isaiah. He would make the crooked paths straight. Number four, last but not least, don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on the road. Martha, Martha, you are concerned about many things, but only one thing is needful. Come on, let's get away with Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, we submit to you. We come to you. We re-encounter you, and we thank you for the re-encounter, but we thank you for the byproduct. One of the byproducts of the re-encounter is the realignment, the recalibration, the readjustment of our heart. Not to condemn us, not to hurt us, but to help us to make sure that we stay in the kingdom of God and in this plan and in your plan for us for the long haul. That we don't wear out our faith vehicle, that we don't wear out our natural vehicle, that we stay straight and we stay on the path going in the direction that you called for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All the fathers come on up. It is Father's Day. You didn't think you was going to get out of here without a gift. Come on. All the fathers, come on up. Tell them. Tell them how valuable the realignment is. Oh, it's very valuable. <laughs> this is the mechanic. Tell them, Mr. Don, how many vehicles you work on. You tell people have been going off road. Yep. Get them lined up. Get them lined up. Get them lined up. Bunch of good-looking fathers. Y'all come on. Come give all the fathers their gift. I'm going to get my wife to come. Thank you. I'm going to get my wife to come tell y'all, especially if you're not from the South, what to do with all this. Happy Father's Day. And the more children you have, the, the more cokes you get. I'm just letting y'all know. Come on up here, honey, and tell them about the gift, and then why don't you pray over us and Oh, all these dads know what this is. This is your, your dessert for after lunch. You go home and you put it in the refrigerator, and then when you pop it, you know, you got to put your peanuts in it, and it's just going to be a salty, sweet goodness, which is exactly what y'all are. A lot of sweet, but just a little salty at times. And mix it together. Hey, listen, to make a good blueberry pound cake, you got to add a little bit of salt to it. So... Well, Father God, we just thank you for, for the men of the house, Lord God. These your men, God. These men that you have placed here on earth to father us, Father God. We just thank you for them, Lord, for who they are, what they represent, Lord. We just thank you that everything that they put their hands to, Lord, is just a wonderful, prosperous, 
vision of exactly who you are, Lord. Lord, I just declare that today and every day, these men go about showing who you truly are, God, what your love truly is, God. And we just thank you for the work that they are doing for your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. six or eight lanes and she hollered look out and I'd seen the car was weaving over here looked over at the young lady traffic was bumper to bumper she was driving with her knee talking on the phone and putting makeup on at the same time (laughs) you are dismissed go and enjoy your father's day let them do whatever they want the reason, Mr. Barry, is it's obvious it's not the women that's having the wrecking issue. Because we know how to do it, right, women? Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day!